Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on cage.press.com. I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is back on the road, this time over in Europe. UFC Paris is this weekend. We'll of course be breaking down that fight card, including the awesome heavyweight main event between Sergei Spivak and Surreal Gain. Plus, we'll give you an underdog in a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat as part of our favorite segment, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Plus, we'll be talking to three fighters this week. Two of them are on the UFC Paris card. Kicking off the show this week is Nora Cornell. A little bit later on, we'll be talking to the Contender Series hopeful, Corinne Laframbois. And then ending the show this week is Manolo Zakimi, who is also on UFC Paris. Before we get to any of that great content for you, I do remind you that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make, make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, hey, it's really drinkable. Should you drink before you stretch it? Well, it certainly couldn't hurt. Game Up is not a hard seltzer because hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. It comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Nora Cornell, who fights Jocelyn Edwards at UFC Paris. That fight is on September 3rd. So, Nora, I wanted to start here. Second. Oh, sorry. September, September 2nd. September 2nd. Yeah, Thank you. Was, was, was last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the fight. On the show that we're enjoying, I, I will enjoy my meal and my victory, hopefully. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, before we get to talking about that victory and all that good stuff, you know, you've only been pro in MMA for two years. And now I obviously know you're a Muay Thai champ and all that kind of stuff. But, but what made you decide to switch over to MMA kind of like later in your combat sports career? Actually, uh, there is so many stuff. Uh, I think the first one was linked. Uh, so I had to stop my career for two years, approximately, um, because I had uh, health issues and all that. You know, I uh, I gained a lot of weight uh, because of uh, like thyroid issues and all that stuff. And there were, there was, sorry, the, the COVID at the same time. So, you know, everything stopped as everybody knows. And, um, when I came back, uh, the Muay Thai environment was, I don't know, quite dying in France, you know, all the big organization I used to fight for didn't like schedule any event or whatever, you know, there a lot of amateur stuff and all that. And plus uh, the fact that, you know, it's naturally uh, easy to 
a really uh, earn, uh, I mean, your life, I mean, make a living, sorry, uh, from Muay Thai, you know, the, 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 the purses are really, really tiny and all that. And it's a lot of sacrifices to maintain a really high level, you know, the level required to, to, to you know, have a good performance for yourself, for the public and show what is the real like Muay Thai at a high level. So I've been thinking since few years about MMA, but I wasn't ready because Muay Thai is probably my, my sport of you new know, passion, like in my heart. And uh, finally, I just, you know, made that try uh, in, yeah, in uh, July 2021 was my first fight so after training for six months but i you know just try to train maybe the first time was in 2017 you know like some days just like that you know nothing really serious because i was really focused on on my muay thai uh, career so yeah that's how it happens and actually i really struggled with uh give up on uh, on my Muay Thai uh, career because uh, for the first year I did both actually. It was quite difficult, you know, in terms of, you know, it was intense. Um, I had like 18 fights uh, because I did a lot of uh, IFMA um, competition. So the, uh, the World Championship, European Championship, the World Games also. And I uh, fought MMA at the same time. So yeah, and then finally uh, after. After the World Games uh, that uh, were in Birmingham in July 2022, I was just like, okay, my next fight, uh, my next MMA fight is in September. So I really have to focus on that now and uh, see uh, how I can uh, attain my goal uh, concerning my MMA career, you know. Uh, so, so uh, and my coach told me, Nora, you, you have to make a choice, actually. It's like everyone ever did the other, but you cannot go and do one and another all the time. It will be like dangerous for you. And uh, at the same time, you won't be evolving as you should uh, in MMA because there is so many stuff to learn, you know. So, yeah, that was it. <laughs> so and out of curiosity, you know, you, so you have this long striking background and you just kind of dabbled in MMA. But early your your first MMA fights showed real a lot of promise on the ground. You know, you got a rear naked choke in there. You got some ground and bound work in there. How, how easy was it for you to pick up the grappling arts in, in all of that? So uh, my very first fight, I didn't remember. We we, we weren't really on the ground. because No, the first couple of fights. Yeah, like the first oh, two or three fights. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I had the first fight. Because the first fight was like two strikers uh, <laughs> against another one. You know? But uh, yeah, actually, I... I don't know. You know, it's like it was... I will say natural without like saying anything about myself, like I'm so good or whatever. You know? But it was like quite natural. I, I mean, it's like the girls gave me this opportunity and I jumped on that, you know, because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, OK, you give me that so I can take advantage of this position from what I learned. And it was like very basic, uh, basic learning. Uh, now I, I really improved in all of the compartments, grappling, wrestling, you know. But yeah, I mean, when I have, when I had that opportunity to finish, that's what happened, you know. Once I locked the position, I'm not letting you go. You know? so, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And obviously, you know, it, it's 
gone really quickly upwards, right? You've gone from two years ago being like, I don't know if I want to do this full time to now you're in the UFC. You're at the highest level in just two years. Were you surprised when you got the call to say like your next fight is going to be not only in the UFC, but it's going to be in Paris too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Paris was good news, but for the rest, it's like I kind of knew it will come anytime soon, you know, uh, because uh, after my, um, my yeah, the last fight was in March uh, 2023 this year, and um, uh, I won at the, the first round. Um, but, um, I was like, okay, it's my sixth finish, uh, and, you know, strike, you know, it's like all my wins are, uh, are finishes. So I think I had every type of opponent. Uh, I mean, I had, uh, like for my second fight, I had a four free, uh, for my, uh, third or no, fourth fight, I have, uh, a 12 10 you know so and for my last fight she was uh zero zero because it was a uh, like a last minute uh, re- replacement you know so some people say yeah it's like uh i didn't really show anything or whatever and in my opinion i just did the job you know uh and so from what i showed i thought i think it was enough to to to, to show to like a big organization and my manager uh jean-baptiste Vernio, uh really uh did uh did the the work to, to toward that because I was like okay I'm starting like now in 2021 I was like by summer or the end of 2023 I have to be in a big organization or I just you know I won't uh, keep up that way because it's a lot of sacrifices and you know like the financial struggle that comes with it because you don't really like you know make a living uh, especially your your first fight when you have like so little person and you're an adult and so many uh, you know bills to pay so you know uh and uh i started again as i i told you after like uh, a two years break and health issues and doctors that were saying no it's like you will never be able to to make that kind of performance or make the weight or whatever you know and i was just like okay i just have to try whatever i can do and with all of that, all of these battles, I will say, all of this war with myself, it's like it's to go to the highest level. To be honest, I never practice a sport to like uh, just for fun, you know. I've been all my life. I've been a competitor, you know. So uh, now, to me, it was like uh, the, lo- lo- the the logic, you know. What what was what following was just the logic, you know. And uh, you just have to. To have a good staff, you know, to, to push your, your your profile and everything. So now, you know, that was kind of the plan. I I just have four months. Uh, I'm four months late on my initial plan, mm-hmm. but you know, that's good. That, that's still still good, I think. You know, uh, and um, for Paris. So actually, the news came early June. For okay, Nora, you have a four fight deal with the UFC, uh, and I was like, okay, G. Do, 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 I, do I will fight in Paris which will be logical as I'm French and it will be in three months you know and he was like I don't know they didn't say anything about that so you know and three weeks after they were like okay uh, it will be Justin Edwards uh, give us an answer you know mm-hmm. and he didn't see his mail for one hour and there is another mail and uh, another email which say 
okay, you have to answer now or we'll like, we will drop, mm -hmm. like the offer will be, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, you're like in, uh, Mission Impossible, <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> so we're like, okay, this email will like explode to your face if you want to know. <laughs> and basically it was maybe 2, 3 a.m. in the morning in France. So, you know, with the difference uh, of time and everything. And hope, uh, I mean, he, he, he saw the, the email and he told me immediately. And I was like, just say yes. Whoever is, say yes. I don't care. I want to make my debut. It will be in Paris. That is really awesome. It will have been a mistake for me uh, from the organization to, to not do that, you know, because I mean, it's the perfect occasion, you know. So, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I, I did want to ask you too, because you know you, you're repping Paris and you're repping French, France MMA and all that kind of stuff. But I know when I watched some of your older fights, you, you represented Algeria. You, you got to you know wave the Algerian flag and it's down in the corner on the broadcast and yeah. all of that. Do, do you mind sharing what what went into you know deciding to to sort of rep your your parents' uh, backgrounds as well? No, no, of course. Uh, actually, I'm, uh, I'm like, uh, like from a mix. My dad is like uh, full French, uh, as we know, I think. <laughs> and uh, and my my mom, uh, so her father uh, is uh, were from Morocco, and uh, her mom uh, were from uh, Algeria, uh, the the part of Kabylie. And uh, she's really more like consider herself as Algerian, you know. And uh, one day, my former coach, uh, so the one with who uh, I made the, the like one, well, yeah, two first years, let's say, uh, uh, he told me, okay, we have this organization which is a UAE Warriors uh, that wants you, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that one female on their card, you know, but uh, they're looking for uh, people with uh, um, kind of Arabian uh, mm -hmm. origins, you know. No, because so they they have three types of events. Their big event, which is uh, so uh, the UAE World, and there is the UAE Africa and uh, Arabia. So it's on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have all the time mm. three events uh, in a row. And, and uh, the thing is that they put me most of the time on the Africa, and then my last fight was on the Arabia, I think. And um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna move. <laughs> um, so that's why I I took uh, this flag, the Algerian flag, because uh, first Africa, there is no France, not in Africa. Uh, but secondly, it was like a really good opportunity for me to, to represent my my mom's roots, which is like part of my identity, and it was a, a perfect occasion for me because uh, I'm really proud to be, uh, you know. Uh, the, the the product of two the to the, the the meeting of two countries and and as i don't know much about my roots and i never uh, you know had the chance to go to algeria and i know everything from my mom and you know to link with the family there and everything is kind of complicated uh it was a great uh, occasion for me to kind of you know have a kind of I know tribute if we if we can say so, you know, from for my roots and to to show that I'm proud of my identity. So that's the mix of all these elements that uh, that make me represent Algeria. 
I love that. Now, we we obviously got to get to talking about your fight because that's the most exciting thing. That's why we're here. You know, Jocelyn Edwards, not just in the UFC, right? She's a multiple fight veteran. She's on a yeah. three fight winning streak in the UFC right now. And that's who they decided to give you in their your debut. What were sort of your thoughts after, you know, after the initial Mission Impossible email about Jocelyn Edwards after you got to do, you know, some research and you got to watch her a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, oui. bonjour, je suis au téléphone. Okay. <laughs> D'accord. <laughs> Sorry about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Jocelyn, um, I don't know, I'm not sure about what you said because we were talking at the same time, but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's, uh, like now, uh, it will be her like seventh, uh, appearance in the UFC. She's, uh, 13-4 with, uh, 42 at the UFC. So she's not a newbie. She's, um, as I said, you know, in some French, uh, to some like French media, I'm happy with the choice because, uh, you know, they have that recruitment in bottom weight. And uh, I know like five female was like added to the to the division and I'm the first to fight first. And uh, uh, actually, I'm the first to have someone who is not new. And I'm really, really happy with that because to me, it means something. Uh, I have everything to win with this fight. And uh, as I said uh, to others, it's like this girl, I saw her maybe one of two of her fights once when I was watching uh, UFC Fight Night or UFC Cup or whatever. And um, I was like, okay, so Praline's Batamway division is that. That will be a pretty good test for me. Like to test myself is the perfect matchup, to be honest, because... She's not an aggressive fighter. She's, uh, all the contrary, she's extremely calm, which can be, like, disturbing for me because I'm all the contrary. And she's smart. You know, she's not, like, um, you're not, like, amazed when you see her fight. You know, it's like, but she knows how to count her, the point and everything. She has some, you know, she knows. She knows the organization. She knows the rules. And uh, she used that, actually. She uses that. Um, so I'm really, really happy with the matchup because again, I have everything to win and I'm pretty sure it's like uh, pressure on her that, uh, I'll be the newbie in her hometown to fight her, you know, for the very first time, you know? So yeah, I'm like super excited about that. Like super excited. <laughs> and we're obviously excited too. Now I, I usually like to end these things with a prediction to get your official prediction. How's this one end on September 2nd? My prediction on my fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm plan. I I plan to finish. I don't know what front to be honest because uh, her last fight was a year ago, or more than a year ago. So we don't know what kind of progress uh, she made, you know, this year. And we can we are already to any situation, you know. So depending on that and what she has to show, uh, we have a game plan that uh, we have multiple complaints uh, depending on what she, she, she's going to give to me, you know? And it's my job to finish this fight, you know, to not go to decision because she's good with decision, right? <laughs> uh, so, no, you know, it's my plan to not go to decision. 
All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. <laughs> well, you're here to hear first, folks. It's been Nora Cronol who fights Jocelyn Edwards at UFC Paris. That fights on September second. Nora, thank you. Thanks again for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. And well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Nora Cornola. I once again am Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave. Before we get started to talk about UFC Paris, we obviously got to talk about the main event of UFC Singapore. Max Holloway puts out the Korean Zombie both in the fight and from the UFC. Korean Zombie officially retires after the fight. They've taken his name out of the rankings. So I suppose at this time, it's time to talk about the legacy that is Korean Zombie, which, uh, you know, title challenger, never a title winner. So where do you put the legacy of the Korean Zombie? You know, this one is very tough for me because I, first off, have a very soft spot for anyone who came from the WEC. He's a guy that's been in the UFC for well over a decade and always put on fun fun fights. I mean, you go through his record, and I'm not going to count it up right now because there are almost too many to count up, but submissions of the night, knockout of the night, performance of the night, fight of the night, over and over and over again. I mean, just eyeballing it right here, he had over 10 uh, performance bonuses. So he was a very exciting fighter. He also lost a few years in the middle of his career, about two, because of uh, military service, mandatory military service. So part of me always wonders if he didn't lose those two years in what seemingly would be like, you know, the human body's prime peak physical years. You know, maybe we're talking about someone who did reach uh, title status. Eh, I don't know, gun to my head if I really think that, but it is interesting to wonder. Bottom line, He's exciting. He's a fan favorite. I grade a little tougher on like, you know, ha absolute Hall of Famer. Uh, he was a fun fighter, but, um, you know, he's not someone where I say like, oh, if such and such wasn't there, he'd absolutely would have been champion. He was a top of the card sort of gatekeeper for me. How about you? I agree with you about that. I, I think it's tough to distinguish between what a Hall of Famer is in the UFC's terms and what we believe it to be in other sports. Because me and you, we're you know we're baseball fans. You know I'm a fan of football. You know I, I I'm a fan of other sports as well. And when we talk about the UFC's Hall of Fame, first of all, it's a company's Hall of Fame, not a, a sports Hall of Fame. That's the first big distinction there. And second of all, they let in the company men. So one day, I bet you we see Korean Zombie in there because when you compare him to the likes of Cowboy Cerrone. He's a thousand percent a Hall of Famer, right? But when we consider him, is he one of the greats of the sport? Is he one of the people who unquestionably would have been a champ? Like you said, you know, in his heyday, it was mostly Jose Aldo, right? Is he the champ if Jose Aldo is not there? Uh, pr probably not. I mean, he got his title shot against them, but like, you know, Jose Aldo is not there. Chad Mendez probably is. And do I think he necessarily beats Chad Mendez? Maybe not, but he is a guy who submitted Dustin Poirier. You know, he's a guy who knocked out uh, Frankie Edgar or Hanato Moicano or like, you know, he's a guy who's been in there with the best of the best. And, you know, to your point, all of the performances of the night bonus are incredible. And in addition to that, that's not even really counting the stuff he did before the UFC because he had that, you know, fight with Leonard Garcia in WEC, which is one of the greatest fights I've ever watched. I remember recording it when a replay of it was happening on a VHS tape so that I could watch it again and again and again and again. Uh, and, and it's probably still in my parents' basement somewhere that I could go watch WEC 48, but just the Leonard Garcia versus Korean zombie fight. So the dude was having fun fights before we had Fight Pass and, and obviously, you know, headlined some pay-per-views and had some amazing times. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, is he an all-time great? No, but under the UFC's terms, definitely a Hall of Famer. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and uh, fan favorite, put it all on the line, which we all appreciate. We know Dana White appreciates because never leave it in the hands of the judges. And Korean Zombie certainly never tried to leave it in the hands of the judges. I mean, even some fights that he lost, like Yair, or you mentioned that Leonard Garcia fight, those were razor thin. I mean, they were back and forth, could have gone either way. He lost the Yair Rodriguez fight the very last second. Um, But he always put on fun fights. Now, again, being a tough grader, he was only seven and five in the UFC. So I just want to put a little context behind this. He was a fun fighter, but he was not that of championship status, where I do think even if you are grading tough on a curve for Hall of Fame status, he is probably, can we agree, the best South Korean fighter ever? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, And and like maybe... You know, uh, maybe others had more potential at some point in time because, uh, like, I, I don't think he reached his potential. You know, despite those years missing there, you know, the guy rose to multiple title fights, and and that sort of seems about right for where his skill level was. Like, he made it to two title fights, and that's that's uh, about what I see out of him. And so, you know, when you consider all that, I think he reached his potential. Could there have been people with higher potential? Sure, but maybe they didn't come as close to realizing it as Korean Zombie did. I also want to point out one thing I absolutely love, love, love about Korean Zombie is you think about the multi facets of an MMA fight and you kind of have at opposite ends of the spectrum, the stand and bang like striker guy and then the can go to the ground and submit you guy. And then there's a mid game in between, which is like your takedowns and everything else. I rate him very average at the in-between. I rate him very high on striking, albeit defense, kind of caution to the wind. And I rate him very high on submission prowess. So he's one of the rare fighters who could both, uh, you know, knock you out, get in that stand and bang war. And if it goes to the ground, you might see a twister, one of the few in UFC history, or he darce choked uh, Dustin Poirier. So for that, I will always appreciate Korean Zombie for being one of those guys who, if we were doing a Madden rating, I'm rating him very high on striking and very high on submission submission game. And that typically uh, is not the case. Usually it's like, you know, one is higher than the other. And I sort of view him as equal in both those facets. Yeah, and you you also saw that all the way to the end of his career, which I think is maybe the most amazing thing. You know, the defense was never really his strong suit, right? But when he went after Max Holloway in that very last fight, in the very last round of his professional career, you know, he threw caution to the wind, and he was getting to Max. Max is not an easy dude to get to, right? Like, we've seen, how many fighters have we seen get frustrated not being able to get on the inside of Max Holloway? You know, Calvin Cater didn't get on the inside of Max Holloway. It's incredible that he just decided, like, look, I'm going to go get him. And if I die on my shield, I'm going to, I'm still going to have gotten him at some point in time. So, like, it was still there at the end. Plus, you know, Max put him in that submission in the, I think it was the first round, technically, that submission was in. I can't remember if it was the first or second. And he worked his way out of it because he's so skilled on the ground. So, like, that stuff, we we never saw a steep drop off uh, of Korean Zombie either. Like, despite the record, the longevity was kind of there against some of the toughest opponents the UFC had to offer. Yeah, agreed. Well, I'll tell you what is easy to get to, and it's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. And this week, we're breaking down UFC Paris. But before we get into it, Gumby, I'm wondering, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? 
Absolutely Fight Sucks and Parlays is brought to you by Game Up Hard Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. Make no mistake, it's no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, special blend of electrolytes, and way more than hints of flavor. Comes at all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. All right. Well, let's start with the main event. We have Cyril Gain, who's coming off a loss to John Jones. He had beat Tai to Ivasa via KO before that and lost to Francis Naganu before that. So this is a, uh, at one time, interim USC heavyweight champion who has now 0-2 in real uh, championship heavyweight fights. Losing to the very top upper echelon of the division in Jones and Naganu, the former Naganu, not in the division anymore, but you get what I'm saying. And beating the likes of Tai Tuivasa, TKO Derek Lewis, which is never easy to do. Uh, many a prospect have gone through, gone to Derek Lewis and had their prospect train derailed. But that was not the case with Cyril Gan. However, coming off the loss to John Jones, he needs to rebuild some stock here. He's a minus 175 favorite, and he's fighting Sergey Spivak, who's betting off at a plus 155 dog. Spivak, the polar bear from Moldova, is on a three-fight win streak. Since losing to Tom Aspinall via TKO back in September of 2021, he's reeled off three wins in a row over Augusta Sakai, Greg Hardy, thank you, and Derek Lewis via arm triangle choke, which earned him a performance of the night bonus earlier this year. He's the dog here, Gumby. He is coming off a submission victory off Derek Lewis, who is notoriously hard to keep down and actually submit. But he's the dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with the dog, Sergei Spivak, here. And I know that maybe maybe I'm putting too much stock in all the things that Serial Gain has said about uh, wrestling and how he doesn't care to train takedowns and stuff. But I don't think I'm putting too much into the stock that Francis Ngannou took him down at will, right? Four out of five times he took him down. Uh, he basically won the championship off of Surreal Gain because of takedowns, which is an insane sentence to say about a guy who, in his first title uh, attempt, right, Francis Ngannou's first title attempt, he lost because he had no wrestling game. Uh, he lost to Stipe Miocic because he could not wrestle Stipe Miocic. So, like, to now see him in a fight dominating with wrestling I don't think he changed that much. And I do put a lot of stock in the fact that surreal game struggles with the wrestling. Sergey Spivak has low key been awesome wrestling. And I'm not just talking about fights recently. I'm talking about fights his whole career. Cause you mentioned the recent submission win over Derek Lewis. I think the, the takedowns and the top control game there was incredible. But if you want to go way back, this is a guy who took down controlled and arm triangle tied to Ivasa who, you know, while we know tied to Ivasa as a boxer, is not a guy who has been easily submitted in his UFC career. So to see a guy who's going to go in there and have struggled with the wrestling up against a guy who has been so deadly on the mat, I got to go with the guy who's deadly on the mat. Give me Sergei Spivak. Hey, I really like this pick. I do agree with you that I find him to be the better, more all-around fighter. So I like him as a dog here, and I really like that pick. Uh Manon Firo, a minus 185, the former champ, Rose Namajunas, a plus 155. Here we are, Rose, a dog, a former champion. She's coming off a loss to Carla Esparza via split decision, one of the more boring fights I've ever seen. She had beaten <laughs> uh, Zhang Wei Li before that twice in a row, beat Jessica Andrade before that, so wins over former champions in their own right. She had lost to Jessica Andrade. This is when she lost the strawweight title the first time. 
um, back in May of 2019. That was the KO slam. So she's three and two in her last five and finds herself again, the dog here, which is crazy to say, but maybe not that crazy because Faro is 10 and one in her professional career, undefeated in the UFC, coming off a unanimous decision win over Caitlin Chikagian back in October of 2022. And she finds herself the minus 185 to the former champ. Who you got? I'm going Manofi Uh I, I like Rosalama Yunus a lot, but I, I do really dislike this move up to 125 pounds for her. Um, because while she's very strong and that strength has is, is been a huge facet of her game, I don't know that she will have a strength advantage at 25 against a lot of these women and certainly not against somebody like Manol Firo. I also just think Manol Firo is a bad matchup for her, right? If we're thinking about the type of people that uh, Rose has done particularly well about, it's against it's people she can strike from distance, right? Um, you know, the, the win she had over Weili Zhang you know, head kick from distance, the the wins she had over Joanna Jan Jacek, she just outstruck her from distance. Manolfi Rowe is an expert kickboxer. She works really well from distance, and the size, I think, is going to play a factor here. If they wind up in the clinch, I also like Firo's takedown ability. She's low-key, got some really good wrestling that I, we've seen before, um, and, and I think that that's going to play up here. So I like the favorite here, Manolfi Rowe. I'm not sure about the line, but I do like Firo it seems so weird to me to pick against Rose, but I guess in this, like as a, I guess you can call it macro view, right? Because she's so good all around. She has wins over uh, someone who I have such great respect for in Zhang Weili. But in this particular case, um, I do think Faroe's the good call. Although one eight, minus 185 does feel a little strong to me. So I don't necessarily like Rose as this dog, and I don't necessarily like Faro at that strong a favorite. So I'm a little stuck there, actually, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I think probably the play is if you're trying to get real fancy here, you just go Manolfi Rowe by decision. Like, I, I don't think mm. she's going to go out there and knock out Rose Namajunas, particularly not in a three-round fight, right? It's going to be a pretty short one. You either bet that it goes the distance or you bet that, she, uh, you know, your preferred fighter in this case. I like Manolfi Rowe. You bet them to win by decision. It spruces that number up a little bit because it's probably going to the cards anyway. I like it. Well, let's uh, wrap up on the final fight that we'll break down, and that's Benoit Saint-Denis, a minus-145 favorite, to Tiago Moises, a plus-120 dog. Benoit Saint-Denis is on a three-fight win streak, coming off a big win over Ismail Bonfim via face crank. We love that. That was back in July, so very short turnaround here, not even two months. And Tiago Moses, uh, Moises excuse me, is on a two-fight win streak. He had lost two in a row to Islam Makhachev, no shame in that, and Joel Alvarez back in 2021, and then came back with wins over Christos Giagos and Melchizal Costa. Uh, back in January of 2023. So he's two and two in his last four. And Tiago Moises is the plus 120 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with Benoit Saint-Denis. Look, I, I think the thing about Tiago Moises, right? Phenomenal grappler, right? Like if you look at his last two wins, rear naked chokes, you want to go before that, the three wins before that, a couple by grappling up his opponent and one by falling back on an ankle lock on, on Michael Johnson. All impressive wins, but the bottom line is the dude struggles when he can't take his opponent down. Heck, he lost that first round to Michael Johnson before he fell back on a leg lock and actually hit it, which doesn't work for everybody. Now he's going to be fighting a guy who's a better wrestler than him in a lot of ways, right? Like both in the defensive side, the offensive side, the posture side, the sweep side. But I love Benoit Saint-Denis from the wrestling standpoint in this fight. 
And I think he's going to use it to just stay on the feet because while he could just take him down and make Tiago Moises work off his back, he doesn't have to. He can instead just stand up and throw with him like Joel Alvarez did against uh, Tiago Moises. And look, I think he could probably get him out of there with strikes because the thing about Benoit Saint-Denis is while we've seen a lot of his finishes, again, rear naked chokes, arm triangle chokes, we've also seen him with absolute bombs. His punch against Gabriel Miranda, a bomb. Back in Brave CF, he knocked out Mario Saeed. And again, throwing bombs with his hands. So I think we're going to see the striking side of Benoit Saint-Denis here, and I think it's going to be dangerous. All right. I like it. Uh, let's get to our official dog of the week. It's Reese McKee at plus 155. Break it down. Yeah, so Reese McKee is fighting Ange Lusa. And uh, Reese McKee's first stint in the UFC went very poorly for him. Uh, first of all, they kind of set him up for a bad thing by giving him Kamzat Chemaev on short notice for his debut. Terrible decision. Then they give him a second fight, which is not too long of a turnaround. He fought the fights pretty close together, and he fought Alex Morano, a guy who's nibbling at the top of the top 15 here, and then then released him after those two fights. All he did was go to Cage Warriors and mess people up with his striking and showed what made him so dangerous in the first place. And now he's going to be fighting Angelusa, a guy who does try to mix in his wrestling a little bit, but looks like he slows down towards the end of fights. Um, He looked a little slower at the end of that AJ Fletcher fight. And he had a lot of trouble with a guy who is a rangy striker in Mornir Lezez. I can see Reese McKee using a very similar strategy to Mornir Lezez and just kind of picking him apart until he picks up this decision. Or, hey, maybe those big heavy hands land too. But I think either of those are options for Reese McKee. All right. And our parlay to play is Benoit Saint-Denis, the aforementioned, and Fareed Basharat, a minus 300. So big favorite there with Basharat, a minus 300. But pair them together with Benoit Saint-Denis, you got plus 125 odds on this parlay. Let's hear it. Yeah. So like I said, I don't think Thiago Moises can wrestle Benoit Saint-Denis. I think that's a huge issue for him. And I think he's going to wind up, uh, you know, having to stand a trade with him. So Saint-Denis is a safe play on my part. And I like sprucing up those odds with Fareed Basharat because he's going to be fighting Clayton Rodriguez. I don't think Rodriguez can stay off his back. The Basharat brothers, both of them in the UFC now. Fareed, I tend to think, is a little worse than Javid. But Fareed just is furious in his takedowns and both of their top control is phenomenal. They've got great positional jiu-jitsu, even if not great submission skills all the time. And I think that's enough to just keep Clayton Rodriguez on his back. It's the reason you see this number at negative 300. He should be an easy pick. So we'll pair those two together and get plus 125. Boom. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know how we did at Top Turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition to a pair of interviews that I've got for you guys to close out the show. First, we're going to be talking to Corinne Laforambois, who is fighting on the Contender Series on September 5th. And then a little bit later, we'll be talking to Malolo Zakini, who is going to be fighting on this UFC Paris card. So we're going to get to all that great content for you right now. Today is Corinne Laframbois, who fights Rain Guerrero at Dana White's Contender Series Week 5. That fight is on September 5th. So, Corinne, I wanted to start here. You know, I like asking everybody who's getting the call to the Contender Series this time of the year. You get the call from either your manager, your coach, or whoever it is that gave you the call. What's it feel like? What a sense of relief, sense of nervousness. How'd you feel when you got the, the notice? Man, I was so happy. It's been like 10 years that I have the same uh, same way to talk. And I said, oh, I'm going to go in the UFC. Let's make it happen. I'm going to go in the UFC. So can you imagine after 10 years waiting for that moment, I was 
a mix of uh, happiness and uh, almost cry, but uh, super happy about that. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. Now, uh, you know, you obviously in your last fight, you pick up this amazing win at UAE Warriors. You, you not only win the title, but you do so with some of the nastiest jujitsu we've ever seen. You know, the, the transfer from the armbar to the triangle back to the armbar, you know, everything there. It was an amazing win, but did you feel like this had to be the next step after this? Was it a surprise that you got the call? Uh, no, I I expected since the last two fights. So uh, now with the belt, uh, I think it's it's more. Uh, yeah, I, I expect to have that uh, that call soon soon. So it took a little bit of time, but uh, uh, I will I will be sure that uh, September fifth uh, I'm gonna close that contract and uh, yeah so. Well, that's great to hear. Now, you said you put 10 hard years in there. And, and I actually just talked to Kareem Al-Sawadi, who is, talked about the same exact thing, talked about having a little bit longer of a career than the average person on Contender Series. Did you ever get to the point where you were frustrated that that, that call had not come sooner? Yeah, because my uh, my ranking is not uh, perfect. Like, uh, I'm uh, 8 and 4, so it's not like a 10 zero uh, record. So I... I I know that took uh, I gained some experience. I I never went in the amateur and any amateur. I didn't do uh, any uh, kind of fight like this. I start right away as professional. That gave me the way to uh, uh, gain experience. So with winning, losing, winning, losing. You know, but now I'm I feel like trying the strong more than ever uh, to be able to uh, have that. Uh, how you call that? Like, so, but have that uh, big win September 5th uh, for, for that contract in the UFC. I deserve to be in the UFC and like I work hard for that. And uh, I think that's the, the next step to be for me the uh, UFC. Absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned the record, it has gone up and down. You're right. But the level of opponent you've been fighting is ridiculously hard, right? You fought Jamie Lynn Horth in there, you fought Manon Firo for three hard rounds in there. What What is it like knowing that, you know, your two most recent losses, the only losses you've had in like half a decade are doing so well in the UFC? Uh, yeah, but, but me and Manon keep uh, talking after that fight. This The fight against Manon Pierrot was a real war. Like it was uh, a real war for, for me, for it, it was uh, uh, intense as a fight. And uh, I refer to that fight for the next, the last next, three opponents that I have and I said nothing can be worse than fighting that girl like for the precision of the the, the fight and the sponge uh, and la 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 but we keep in touch and she told me that I was a, one of the, her toughest fights so I I came in Vegas uh, two years ago to help her for a training camp and uh, I can like uh, I, I can see uh, but in my head there's nothing more strong than Manuel Fioro for the opponent that I can have. So uh, it's more, uh, no, I, I should not say easy, but it's more, uh, I, I cannot fight another Manuel Fioro, another number <laughs> two. She's number two or number three, actually. I think the ranking in the USC or so, so it, it gave, gave me good confidence for the, the other one, the other opponent. Absolutely. 
And, and, and you mentioned training with her too. I, I wanted to ask about that because I, I saw pictures on your Instagram of you working out with Manon Firo. What was it like working out with her after having fought her? And like you said, having such a war with her and, and also what kind of led to you deciding to, to train with, you know, such a recent opponent? That, I, that, what the question uh, like to... so what was it like to train with Manon Firo and also you know like how did you wind up training with her after having fought her uh, she catch COVID before one of her fights so she was in Vegas and uh, she contacted me to come to help her uh, during that fight week you know uh, we know Christophe Midou too Christophe uh, Midou used to work in her corner so he asked me oh, can you come for one week she needs to be uh, uh, she needs to start training for that week, and the, the fight is postponed one week later uh, against uh, Mehrab Wilmenkuma. Uh, so we, uh, I help her. I went there ten days. Uh, we spar uh, almost uh, every day, but it's not. It's different. Like it, I should be smart too. Like one week before her uh, fight, like I cannot go two hundred percent. Like if we are in the fight, but I know that we will meet uh, together. Uh, in the next future. So. That's great to hear. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about your fight because that's obviously why we're here. You're you're fighting Rain Guerrero. You mentioned, you know, you're not going to get another Manon Firo, and she is very different than Manon Firo. You know, Manon obviously, you know, pinpoint point striking from a distance. Rain is a little bit more of a grinder. You know, you watch a lot of her fights. She likes to get up against the cage, get nasty with it. What did you sort of think about her as an opponent when they told you that that's who you'd be fighting? Ah, but we do as as same as we do for the other uh, opponents. We watch her her style at the beginning of the training camp. Watch the style of the of my next opponent. What she's doing good and what she's doing not that good. So uh, after that, it's gonna be me who will decide if I bring her on the ground or if I if we we gonna go on stand up part or. But I think she's more uh, she's offen uh, yeah offensive. Like, uh, not defensive. She's more offensive, so I'm ready for that. I always like to do war, so I'm going to be ready for that. And I'm, I'm that kind of fighter who likes the the finishes. Who doesn't like? I don't know, but I, I like uh, the, the finishes. So if uh, if it's with one uh, one submission, it can be amazing. <laughs> well, we like watching those too. Now, you, you mentioned film study in there. Before I get your prediction on the fight, I, I do like getting fighters' takes on watching film and what it's like for them. So you said we do. So is it you and your coaches who watch film and sort of how do you go about it? Is everybody sitting in a room? Does everybody watch the same video somewhere else? Like what is your process for watching film with your coaches? Uh, but yeah, it's with the team, the general, the team in general. The manager too is involved and we are really close. So my uh, uh, jiu-jitsu coach and head coach, Fabio Alenda, uh He's watching on a, on his side and at, at the gym, uh, like the first training or the first training or second training, we, we have a, a brain, uh, brainstorm about that. So, uh, and my boxing coach, Jan McKillop, and uh, the wrestling coach, I do everything separate. Wrestling coach, Zilberman, and it's going to be this time Charles Jourdain, uh, which is one of my partner at the gym. Uh, who's going to be with me in Vegas. So we all watch uh, that uh, or record, but on each side. So we can have the idea of Fabio 
the ID, the separate ID from boxing, from my boxing coach, from my wrestling coach. So we can spot what the weakness in that and what can be uh, the thing that we, we need to be aware of. But uh, uh, yeah, that's how we that's how we do usually. I like that. And it's good to hear Charles is going to be making the trip with you. So uh, I usually like to end these things with the pre- big prediction. So it's September 5th. It's at the apex. How's this one end against Rain Guerrero? Submission. I would like to have a cold knockout because I don't have any in my rank, like a real cold knockout. But uh, submission is always like a good feeling because it's the opponent to decide to stop. He, she cannot say that it's a lucky punch or whatever. She just decides, she tapped up, and poof, the fight is over. So why not? Submission again. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This has been Kareen Lafambois, who fights Rain Guerrero, Dana White's Contender Series, Week 5. That fight, once again, is on September 5th. Kareen, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to talk with you, Dan. All right. And joining me today is Manolo Zakiti, who fights Morgan Cherrier at UFC Paris. That fight is on September 2nd. So, Manolo, I wanted to start here. It's been 11 months since we've seen you fight in a cage what what have sort of been keeping you out the most has it been a combination of things i can't wait <laughs> i can't wait yeah it's 11 months that i don't fight yeah it's true but my 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 next fight camp became in, in the in january <laughs> <laughs> so so you've been taking training camps since january and then just the fights all fell through yeah because a couple of times was that of my fight for a couple of things and so i finished my first training camp in march and said me manolo you don't fight more okay no problem come back to the house but i never stopped training come back again to you to america in july that was that my fight again and it's number two july so i come back i never stopped to training and one month ago said me manolo you fight in ufc so i'm ready Come on. That, so that's a long training camp. It, has it been hard to to go through so many training camps and not get a chance to fight? Yeah. So it's a long term. Was a long training camp. Yeah. Yeah. So when I finish this this fight, probably I'm going to run away to McDonald's or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, because it's many times that I'm in the weight and so. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, and I wanna. I wanna eat bad now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've also noticed that you've been training a lot of different places. You know, I saw a picture of you at King's MMA and one at Alliance MMA, and you're obviously wearing the Jackson Wink T-shirt right now. Has has that? Yeah, just... so, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackson Wink MMA is my is my gym in America. Uh, I yeah you see you see you see my 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 picture in King's MMA because my friend lived there and the last couple of weeks in of June yeah June I was there for a week for meet him there and another and and another week in uh, San Diego so I was there for 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 for, for me and my friend but I was in training camp and I trained in there too. I like that. And has that been helpful for you to get ready to be able to see, you know, not just the same training partners since January, but getting to see some different people? No, it was, was good. It was good because I, I tried a different training partner. And also my coach said to me, hey, Manolo, it's a good experience. You can go, no problem. 
But Jackson Wing is my American gym. Yeah. That's awesome news. Now, I, 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 I'm curious because you said, you know, you've prepared for a lot of different fights. You've gotten ready a lot of different times. Were you surprised when the third call, the third time you got told you were going to fight, it was the UFC? Were you surprised that it, it wasn't, you know, Venator again or Bellator, you know, like one of those other promotions again? So uh, my last fight was in October and my manager said to me, hey, Manolo, we are ready. The, the call is in the is around. So get ready because if it's not yet, it's tomorrow. If it's not now, it's tomorrow. You fight in UFC. So, yeah, I was surprised because it was, no, it's immediately. But me and my manager know that it's many times that UFC watch me and uh, speak with my manager. Now was only the good time, and let's say. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but I was surprised because it's my it's the dream of my life. Yeah, of course. Well, that's great to hear. Now, I- I'm also curious because you're fighting in Paris against a guy from Paris, against a Frenchman. Have you thought about, you know, I know you fought in Italy a couple of times. Have you thought about kind of being the guy in enemy territory, being the person that people are booing? Doesn't matter. The fight is fight. Yeah, normally. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's normally you are there and when you enter in the cage, all the people, because sometimes the people are stupid and don't understand that it's two people that fight together. Is the work no for us? And I don't understand. I say boo boo, but it's okay. It's better for me because when I win this fucking fight, it's better because all the people, all the arena, because all the arena probably is from Paris. They shh, don't speak more. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now you're getting Morgan Charrier, a guy who a lot of people have seen as a prospect. He's fought for Cage Warriors. Did you know anything about him when they offered you him as an opponent? So I know him the first time in Cage Warrior because we debuted together in Cage Warrior in 2018. But we never speak together. I only see him when he when he fight and, and let's see. And and what did you think about his style and the way that he fights when you got a chance to see it up close in Cage Warriors? His style of fight or his style of fighting? Yeah, yeah. I, I it's normally now in internet you can find many things. No, it's good for this. Many many years ago, you you don't can, you don't know many things, but now we are we are we are lucky because we have internet for watch the fight. Yeah, I think he's a tough guy. Normally, his striking is, is good. His his uh, grappling and his wrestling is good too. But come on, fight is fight, and I'm strong too. Absolutely, and you know, as you prepare for him, like you said, you can see film on him more often because you have the internet now. Is that something you do with specific coaches at Jackson Wink? You all watch together? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, me and my yeah, me and my my coach there and my coach here watch together the the his fight together. It's normal, no? All the people is game playing. But I told you is probably almost nine months that we train for, for the fight and there isn't the, the, the real game plan because I train for nine months every day for all all the, the, the disciplines, grappling, uh, wrestling, striking. And in this time, you can fix some, some things. It's okay. But we train all, I train all the day for all the things. And 
And I know you're you're back in Italy now, right? Like we're we're doing this uh, this interview on Italian time. So I know you're back in Italy now. How long have you been over in Italy back at home prior to this fight in Paris? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one month that I'm in Italy. Probably, yeah, one month and a half. But I never stopped the training. I yeah. come back to Italy the first couple, the first couple of day of July. Yeah. Okay. That that I makes sense. Yeah, and 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 that's obviously to work out at your gym and with your your coach from from Italy as well, correct? Of course. Yeah. In this month, I train here, here, and in in Venice and in Milan. That I find my 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 friend. I have the the friend Gerard. He's a fighter too, professional fighter too, and very strong guy, very tough guy. That helped me, of course, of course. That's awesome. So now, I usually like to end these interviews with a prediction. Some fighters are a little bit hesitant to say how they think it's going to end, but I have a feeling you've got a good idea. How do you expect this fight to end on September second? It's normally I want to win. <laughs> it's normal, and I say, hey. I want to do something for me, but I want to say only one thing. I think this fight is supposed to be the fight of the night, of course. Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it. And once again, fans, this has been Manolo Zakidi, who fights Morgan Charrier at UFC Paris on September 2nd. Manolo, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thank you very much. You too. And I'm very excited too. And Hey guys, September 2nd is of, of sure show. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game of Heart Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. Until next week, I'm Danny Goodby Reland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then. <laughs>